You are listening to a production of the Tour Network. This is Laser Knees number 107, Curtains. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Dinonet Sentai Ryu Soldier, episode 41, The Lost Sacred Sword, and 42, The Deciding Battle Stage. Our writer for 41 is Yamaoka Junpei, and for 42 is Shida Ayumi. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Apparently that's just our th- my thing now, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I mean, look, we're we're gonna have a discussion about that specific fact in a hot minute. Yeah. Um, our director for forty one is Takahiroya, and for forty two is Katsuhiro Yuki. In episode forty one, we also have a very exciting returning Toku actress. Uh, Rikako Sakata plays Mia, Kanalo's ex fiance, and she had previously played my personal best girl Kazushiro Miyu in Kamen Rider Forze. Oops. <laughs> It was an absolutely, it was just absolutely delightful getting to see her act again, uh, just, you know, seeing how much she's grown up in the past handful of years. She was just absolutely great in this episode, and I was so excited to see her. Yeah. Same. Same. And, uh, on behalf of all of us here at Laser Knees, Uchukita. Yeah, that's, that's a big Uchukita from me, dog. Uh, but... Just so we can get to talking about all the fun stuff in those episodes, let's let's get all of our, our problems and nitpicks out the way just right up front. Okay, there's there's not a lot of them. We're no, very actually, fond of these episodes. It's a pretty solid chunk of Sentai, I gotta say. Yeah, it is. Um, my biggest issue with 41 is Oto just doesn't know what the Ryu Soul Caliber is. Like, <laughs> it, am I really supposed to believe that no one told her? Like, we've had it for weeks now, and she's definitely been here since we've gotten it, and just no one has mentioned it. Like, Kanalo, one of the primary people who uses the dang thing, who has this bizarre fixation on Oto admiring him, he's just never tried to show off that he's, like, been blessed with the ultimate Ryu Soul Tribe weapon. Never was like, hey, look at this powerful mystical Ryu soul object that I got out of a flying temple that makes me super cool and strong, Odo. Am I really supposed to believe that he never mentioned that once? Yeah, it's, um, it's not one of Junpei's better episode conceits. As we observed, though, with Narhisa Arakawa, they can't all be winners. No, and she's just like, oh, it doesn't look like the normal one, so it's, it's gotta be fake. Like, why would, why would they have a fake one? That's that's a very good question, because they aren't, like, toy collectors. Because I, I, I have to say, like, when she said that, I'm like, I mean, it does kind of look like the, the knockoff version that you'd get. It Like, the toy even has, like, little LEDs, like all the knockoff Transformers I've got do. You know, unless they're just made from really just terrible plastic. Ugh. But just, like, no one mentioned it. No one yeah, talked about that at all. It seems like, honestly... I just keep coming down to, um, why does it even have, like, I understand that it is a physical object, why would it have one? Like, I just sort of figured it was just something they'd pull out of the ether. Because, you know, that's kind of how Sentai weapons work anyway. I mean, I understand just leaving it in the house because the dad is checking it out, but, like, how does she not know about it? How has no one mentioned it? And, and even then, like, I do feel that someone just should have been, hey, don't take other people's stuff without asking. But I really needed it. Da-da-da. You're 120 years old, young woman. Don't take people's stuff without asking. There, There is a word for that. It's stealing. It's a crime. And even when it's not a crime, it's just 
kind of frowned on, you know? It's rude. And on a possibly sillier, but no less serious note, we are rapidly approaching the end of this series, and I can't help but notice that we've not yet seen the Prime Minister since we last saw her back in, like, I want to say 13 to 15, somewhere in there. I feel like it and was I... earlier than that. I feel like it was maybe episode, like, 7. Yeah, it's been a minute anyway. And it's just, I want it on record that that's nonsense. Because, look, I was I was happy to see Rikako Sakato, but every time we get a guest star in, it becomes more and more obvious when they aren't bringing in the people they basically set up as big, important players. So, like, hey, Toei, prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I had also thought about this and was displeased. Like, where's she at, Toei? Where's she at? Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that she's holed up somewhere, like, sipping an umbrella drink while the world ends. Or, you know, doesn't. Because she's... Like, I got the impression she's only kind of able to care which one at this point. Yeah. I guess it's an um, it's an umbrella drink if she thinks the world's about to end. It's whiskey if she has to keep existing in this hellscape, which, um, am I saying that I just basically fanfic that because that's how I feel sometimes? No, but I'm not not saying it either. Moving on! I mean, we are I getting, we are about that. to get into some, some hot, hot Bomba content. So she may, oh, maybe she goodness. will be coming back. I mean, look, she was there. No, wait, no, she, no, she was the first time that we realized, no, 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 that wasn't her. She was just there. It was like, oh yeah, she knew Bomba growing up. And then it was later that we discovered the Bomba gets down. Yeah. Uh, I think he was, I, have... I think she knew him when he was far too young for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just sort of, but that was sort of. I like how they use Bamba as our way to, like, hey, appreciate the gravity of a multi-century lifespan. Because <laughs> there's just her being immortal Keanu, and I just still love that. I still love that. <laughs> it's immortal Keanu, but no, that's her character. <laughs> she's just she's just been everywhere. There's tons of paintings of her. There it is. She was there in the Edo period. It was intense. Uh, my only disappointment in 42 is that when Ko and Bamba are looking for, like, the, the hidden room, Bamba uses the vision soul instead of the sense soul to try and sniff it out. Because, like, I know he had to look for the writing because that was the whole, like, point of the Minosaur. But it's just, I love it when he's looking for something and tries to sniff it out like a dog. It's just funny. No, it, it is, and I, it always, it feels like that's his thing anyway. It's how Other he looks use... for things. It's the only yeah. way he's ever looked for things prior to this. And I know it makes more sense in this case to use the vision soul, but I enjoy also... my, my funny joke. It's why I dressed my little Bomba plush up like a dog. Which is still so cute. Also, like, look, much as I absolutely do appreciate seeing Ui again at the start of 42, I am rather vexed that it, she's apparently being written out. I, I kept wondering if it's going to turn out that she's Weisel pulling one last job with that whole, like, yes, I'm going, yes, may we, I'm going to America. But I don't know, that could just be her being quirky. But either way, like, we were worried, and while we may not know what's up, apparently she's at least getting a farewell, which, I mean, I'm not talking about it now because I'm happy she's going. Because <laughs> I 
like having her around. Yeah, I am bummed that she's being written out, you know, after weeks of being very conspicuously absent. Because, um, you know, Ui's been an amazing character, and she's delivered some of the bigger gut punches this show has had that weren't Nada. <sighs> Although she did help with that, because she brought the his last will and testament. Okay, yeah, so yeah, she's involved in basically all the big gut punches of this show. Um, uh-huh. But I am glad, at least, to see that, like, her actress is okay, because I was becoming very worried because I also hadn't seen her post on social media. Since before the last time we'd seen her in the show. Uh, so I was very, very concerned. But, you know, she's here, she looked healthy. Um, and I feel like the only reason they would be writing her out is if she had bigger, better paying fish to fry. Which I sincerely oh, hope is the case, because she deserves only the best. Yeah, she really does. Because she brought a lot of weird intensity and a subtle darkness to this series. And, like, the quiet desperation beneath the combined weight of self-imposed expectation and that of the society around her, it added a lot of texture to, to like, the emotional landscape of Ryu Soldier. Which is saying something, because, I mean, you know, it's a Super Sentai show. They, they already have a lot of stuff going on, but anyway, it's just, she'll be missed. Yeah, it's I'm I'm very bummed, but at least they seem to be sending her off on a high note, which is not always the case for when an actress isn't around. Mm. You know, they've very decisively been like, "Okay, she can't be here. We need to address it. We're going to send her off in this really nice way. Her passion has been noticed. Her hard work is being appreciated." and well-received, and she's been given this great opportunity to go do something cool and follow her dreams. And I hope, you know, we'll see her back at least for the finale, maybe also some post-show movies. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, I am a little worried by the Chekhov's gun of, hey, Ui, are you sure this isn't a hoax? But, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, like, if you're gonna push Ui out of the show, at least just let her have this. Let her actually go to America to get to make a cool movie. Yeah, that would be very nice. Uh, My own paranoia about such Chekhov's gun being placed on the table, notwithstanding, if she is going to leave the show, at least have the character go out to do what she loves. Which, honestly, it's a nice way to tie up uh, some of the stuff they were doing in 41, which I think is fun. I hope she takes Mia with her. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And also they can do a kissing. Yes. That'd be fine. Yes. It's just... It's either that or, like, again, I just had a weird paranoia that she'll turn out to be Weisel just faking his own death, which, I mean, look, I, I'd be okay with that, because Weisel actually... A- anyway, we're going to get to that, because now we're into the good stuff, and boy, there's a lot of good stuff in these episodes. <laughs> I do really like the bit at the beginning of 41, where, you know, they're looking for the sword, and it's like, they go to his dad, are like, wait, are you Weisel? Did you steal it? And and then, you know, they realize he's not and move on, but he's just so offended that he keeps following Melt around being like, but I'm not Weisel, though. Like, it's, it's just a very cute bit. Yeah, it really is, and it works on a lot of levels. Not the least of them being that, like, yeah, of course you'd start to worry about that sort of thing. Dudes punk them on TV, on stage, and probably in a lot of ancillary media as well. Like, if they weren't a little paranoid about 
hey, is this person over here Weisel? I'd say they weren't paying attention, and that's kind of a dereliction of duty at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, he's been doing it since, you know, episode, like, four, so... Yeah, just, hey, hey, remember that the first time you found out about it? Oh, hey, there's just one of the school children. It's me, Weisel! Like, it was great. Man, Weisel is so good. I hate that they make me appreciate him so much. Ah, <sighs> But on the other hand, like, good, I... Again, we we had the talks about like we had a lot of villains that we just haven't cared about. God, it's been and... years since we have cared about villains. Yeah, Lupot like, almost I... got us. Came mm. very close, but they were but they just, just they poorly couldn't... handled. Yeah, they couldn't stick the landing on a lot of them. But like, I feel like before that, it must have been Tokuger. Tokuger is. Yeah, it's Tokyuger because then it's Ninja and then Zuoger, and we have not cared about anyone okay, from Zuoger forward. I, like, you can tell how much I cared about the one in Ninja, but at least while I was watching it, the villain in Ninja, one of the villains was amazing. I was kind of interested in the Fox Lady. Yes. Yeah, and then I stopped was... caring about the show. Well, that's. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. But, uh, well, it's not that I stopped caring about the show, it's that I was angry at the fandom, and it ruined my enjoyment of the show. Also fair. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, this is the first time since Tokyo that we've had the just a rock-solid villains. Like, Weisel, I, I just know that it's been years since any villain has got me laughing as much as, Ah, it's so bright! Really? Ah, it's so bright! <laughs> He, remi- he does remind me a little of, of Nero in Tokyuger, mm. except without kind of the groveling to the Emperor aspect of him. Yeah, he's he's they, we just took that stock character and made him a showman, which, uh, rules. And I mean, we all know how much I love Nero and Noir. Yeah, look, Nero's God, we, I'm so, so mad we never got to see that fight. They literally, they started a fight, cut to commercial, and never addressed it again. It's a sad story. Infuriating. Um, but I do, I really adore the plotline of Mia being Conalo's ex. And I kind of wish his entire romance plotline had actually just been meeting a string of his exes who were all like, Yeah, he's hot, but if you had to hang out with him for more than five minutes... And just, like, keep introducing flaws to this seemingly perfect guy. Yeah, and that would have been such a better hook for him. Like, he dated a lot back in the day. Or, I don't know, recently. I'm, you know, I ain't here to slut shame you, dude. And just, like, they just keep running into his exes, who all take him down a peg in a way that's, like, fun and friendly and revelatory. Because, like, that would be awesome, especially if they'd started him out as... Like, they usually do the sixth, where he's just the best of the best of the best of the best. Honestly, it's... He's kind of, like... They could have done a Noel with him, and then just had his girlfriends show up to take him down a peg, and like that would have been fun. Yeah, like, I, Honestly. I feel like if they kind of took Ian from Kyoryuger and made him the sixth, and therefore, like, you've kind of elevated him... To, you know, for the first couple episodes he's here, he really can't do any wrong. And, like, you you kind of always see him with a girl. And then 
just slowly you're just getting all of these people who are just like, yeah, he's hot, and it like we had fun, but he's really obnoxious with the the like, the green the green stuff or, like I don't I don't know I forget what his other character traits are. I mean, like he's an environmentalist and he wants to date pretty girls. That's that's what he's got. Yeah. And honestly, like the environmentalism thing only really came up the one time. So like, but honestly, it just. It just would have made that episode with the the high-spec dating candidate. Like, that would have made that bit sing. Yeah. Because there's him with the matchmaker, and there's this other guy, and there's just these two, if you'll forgive the term, uh, two of these, like, high-spec alpha male types, which, like, okay, alpha male's not a thing. Anyways. But, but you know what I mean. Like, just these two dudes butting heads, and then we could see, like... Oh no! This this monster just is born out of this dude's pure rampant egoism. And hey, Canelo, maybe you could learn a thing or two and be grateful that you have people who will take you down a peg, but like they don't hate you. Like every time we run into your exes, they're like, "Oh, hey, Canelo, small world, are you stalking me?" <laughs> uh, no, I just I have to help these guys out. All right, you guys are all actual Russell tribesmen. Uh, yeah, we're soldiers oh really okay cool all right i'll help out this episode like that'd be fun yeah it's i it just would have been so much more interesting yeah like i don't know i just i like this a lot more than him bothering some random woman and then having a pratfall about you know how she already has a boyfriend or is married and how he just somehow was oblivious to that fact like, giving the two of them history and having them bicker and bounce off of each other, but still kind of care about each other because they've got this history, and, like, having her on really good terms with Oto... Yeah, like, that was great. That brought out a lot of personality in Kanalo, and it made Mia's presence feel really natural. Like, it was... Like, I was actually kind of surprised that, like, her and Oto were still, like, friends... And that Oto wasn't like, oh, you dumped my brother. Because that just feels like the thing they would do. But I feel like their breakup is kind of, was Oto being like, Mia's kind of in the right. Yeah. Hey, I've met my brother. I don't blame you. Just like, and and on top of how happy I was to see the actress, because like, yeah, I really was. And also fond of like the lesson of the episode about like, hey, you know, keep at it. Even when things get tough, like, uh, you know, it's not not perfectly executed. I don't know if I agree with all the nuance, but I like the way they did it. But she just, in that moment, she added so much to the show. Backwards and forwards, she made the the lore of, like, maybe not the world, but these people feel so much richer, which, that's pretty impressive for a guest star, isn't it? yeah. Which I guess is probably part of the reason I was thinking about the Prime Minister, because she was there for two episodes, and we're still talking about her all these episodes later. It's like, I I wish we really had introduced, like, more Reusal Tribes people who are just out in the world. Yeah. We're supposed to think it's rare, but it's clearly not. Yeah, and... Like, I know Japan's a relatively small country, but, like, it's not so small that you should be running into this many people that you know, you know? And, like, I don't know, just... 
I just, I really like the idea that, you know, she's Siri's soul tribe, and, like, is she just the only other person Kanalo's age? Because now we're introducing, like, other people his age. So, like, is there just no one else? Is she the only one? Is she the only was one he could a, date? Was there a massive, like, exodus of young people? Because I feel like that could be, I mean, I, I know we could just say, like, hey, there's just not, no one's breeding down there, because... It's a very contained thing, and mm, I'm sure after a few million years, you just, the gene pool gets a little shallow, if you know what I mean. But, like, I don't know. I I want to hear everything. Did Was there just a bunch of young people all leaving to find partners to take back with them under the sea, under the sea? Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me? Like, I want to know. But, you know, not her, because she's, uh, she, it's not that she don't need no man. I mean, she don't need one. She don't. She's a little busy at the moment, because she also has a dream. Yeah, and, like, the fact that Connolo referred to her as, like, a traitor, and I know that's just because he was mad that he got dumped, but he's just like, oh yeah, she left, she's a traitor. Like, there's just so much interesting in the way that they approached each other. Mm. And, you know, speaking of Connolo being mad that he was dumped, I'm really fond of the bit where he's just like, no. I don't want to be an extra in this movie because I've got to do my duty, which is absolutely an excuse because he blows off his duty to hit on ladies all the time. Well, and... in fairness, trying to get married is one of his duties. Yeah, but you know that's not what they were talking about. No, um, I know, I know. And, and Mia's just like, whatever, man. You're always choosing duty over people who care about you, so bye. Whatever, I don't care. I've got stuff to do. Oh, so good. And I just, I really love that he's just not helping. Yeah, because he doesn't want to hang out with his ex because she dumped him. Which, like, okay, it's not really petty because that's a legit feeling. <laughs> but at the same time, like, on the scale that this show is operating at, yeah, it's just terribly petty. And I love it because it's also such a human way to act. Because honestly, the dude has been really weird and has not felt like a person most of the time. Like, sure, he's had his moments, but stuff like, no, I have my duty, and also I don't want to hang out with her because she broke my heart a hundred years ago. Like, that, honestly, that makes me warm up to him a lot. Even the right kind of stiff jerkiness like that will make, like, that's a personality trait, and that's identifiable. Because, hey, man, like, yeah, if you run into, like, someone you had an ugly breakup with, you're probably not going to want to hang out with them a whole lot, are you? No. That would be awkward as hell. <laughs> and also, like, like he said, like, she's a traitor. So she, she clearly, like, disrespected a whole bunch of, of cultural stuff committed some social taboos, and also she dumped me. <laughs> Which, I just, I love that no matter what, you can just, you can always hear the parenthetical, oh, and also, she dumped me. So, everything is in that, and I love it. Yeah, and I feel like, and, you know, this discussion of duty kind of does circle back to when we got the Ryusou caliber, and Kanalo chose his duty over his comrades, and, you know, we, we understood his reason for that, because without doing his duty, he loses his comrades. But I feel like 
it's an argument that Conalo and Mia had, and he was just not able to put that reasoning on the line, and that's kind of what broke up the engagement in the first place. So, because just the way that she kind of brings it up felt like it's a little bit of an open wound for both of them. Yeah, which, like, it's amazing that they can make you feel, oh, yeah, this is this has been an issue for a while. In, in a thing that's just, oh, yeah, this is her only appearance in the show. Yeah, it's, they have maybe four sentences on the subject. And yet, you, you're you just in a place of, yeah, well, you know, who could blame them for being a little tetchy at each other? This is a rough situation all around. As if, as if I know what the situation is. As if, like, it makes me feel like I, I must have seen the episode where she left him at the altar. Which is silly, because there is no such episode. And yet she sells it, and so does he. But I'm just, I'm mostly happy it, to see her. It's, look, she was able to do that back in, like, the sixth episode of Forze. That that bit where everyone's in detention and it's her and Jake up against the the hound Zodiac. Oh, man, that was so good. And she just walks on in to the point where Jake forgets that he's afraid of this monster because he's, like, so entranced by how confident she is. She sold everything in that moment. Honestly, like, she said, that actress, they should give her some nonsense to do, because she could sell it, because, like, the oops thing, back in Forza, that should never have worked. God, it should have been so obnoxious. Yeah, and yet she sold it every time. It was funny and charming every single time she did it. 100% of the time. When, when there was her whole uh, her whole opening arc of, yeah, I'm the queen of this school, and I reject all of your, your CDs and your gifts and your love letters. Why? Because I don't think you gave it enough love and support. I don't think you took this seriously. She sold that in a way that made you think, yeah, you're right. She just wants everyone at this school to be better and not, oh, She's a horrible person. God, I love Muse so much. One day we're going to sit around and we're going to talk about Forze because you and I have never done a proper talk about Forze on this show. But goodness knows. Yeah, goodness knows, I think, with all of the, the times we've we've had just tangents about it. It's, uh, in fairness, in this episode, it's not entirely a tangent. I'm com- This is apples to apples. I'm comparing her to her. Yes. So it's fine. This is this is relevant. Yep. She's she's just really good is the thing. Yeah, it's I I have written on the subject of literally that scene in the detention episode of just the way she walks up to the monster. Mm-hmm. But it's god, I I wish she would do more acting. Um as far as I know right currently she's primarily a model. But, I mean, she's I mean, clearly still doing some acting here and there. I would just love to see her in more things. Same. I'm I'm just glad that she's still working, whatever it is she's doing. Yeah. Oh, she's, she is very... She has not stopped working. She is constantly oh, doing good. things. Um, but, you know, to, to circle us back and kind of jump ahead a little bit, um, you know, had that, that sense of duty and 
Conalo has to engage in his duty because it's he will lose people if he doesn't. And, you know, her not understanding that and wanting kind of the freedom to not be burdened by this duty, which is also valid. Yeah. And having Conalo disengage the fight to throw himself in front of her to protect her from Green Uden, whatever he was called, was kind of a I'd nice... i go with Tuden. That's a good, that's a good one. Um, but it's just a nice... And you can see in that moment, she gets it. She understands, like, oh, his duty is to take care of people. And, like, put himself on the line for people he cares about. And it was a very nice, very visual moment of getting that across. It was. Because, I mean, look, yes, he is a moody so-and-so sometimes. Most of the time. But he's got a heart as gold as his suit, and... It was nice to see that, because normally he's just, he's kind of stiff and he just kind of sucks, but those two have so much co- chemistry. I, I just always like when I find out that uh, a character who I think is stiff or whose actor can't act, oh no, it's just they don't have it with someone else in the cast, or they don't have this thing they need to really sing. And in that moment, it's like, I get it. I I understand everything about these two people, and that was really great. On a on a much goofier note, um, I I absolutely adore Bamba like nitpicking the script to the point where he's ready to get into a fight with a twelve year old over his like his problems with the script, like over his script doctoring. He was ready to throw down, and Oda's like, we just gotta do this. We're doing this for Mia. I don't really care what the script is. And he's like, no, we. this is stupid. I gotta make this, no, this make sense. This movie is bad. I will make it good. Just he's, he's a man after my own heart, which, look, that's not even taking into account how he is, you know, uh, mega handsome and charming. He's just, the character does not want to be in a bad movie. He wants to help, and no one will accept his help. And I'm just like, hey, man, it's like group work back in high school. <laughs> no, oh, listen to like me, I will It's like group work right. now. Yeah, well, there's that. Um, it's just, he's at 110% about every single thing. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, he's 100%, 10% about this script. He's 110% about Christmas. Like, it's my favorite character trait of his that he is just no, I am the most intense about whatever I currently care about. And look, I just um, I respect that about him. Yeah. Also, okay, I'm gonna use the script and just sort of lead into this, uh, which I just I mentioned up front. But okay, this series has given us two folks who could be successors to Koichi Sakamoto as far as action directing goes, because first we had Kamihoro Ichikazuya, who has kind of rocked the house, but in this episode, Takehiroya just tore it up. Like, some of the out-of-suit fights and some of the cool prop work, and I think the bit that sold it was there's a bit where Bonba just does a cool thing with his sword. He, like, he like spins it around his, his arm or something. I... I don't know how to describe it. It was a cool move. That is his, like, signature cool fight move. Yeah, but I just had to grab my phone 
while the credits were going to find out who directed it because it was like, okay, this doesn't quite feel Sakamoto, but I mean, look at those fights. Look at the action. Like the the whole out of suit fight sequence where they're still in the the black suits from the movie and Bamba does like the thing with his tie. Oh yes. Like that whole fight was put together incredible. It really was. And that was just like, wait, is this a Sakamoto joint? And then it wasn't. Which, like, look, I know we give Koichi Sakamoto a lot of crap. He deserves it. Yeah, it's like, look, I don't ever want him within, you know, 30 miles of Sakata Rikako ever again. Yeah, but it's it's just okay. At the same time, his action scenes can be pretty hot fire. Uh, he he's just the guy who understands the joy of motorcycles ramping off things while things explode in the background. Not a lot of people get how awesome that is. But, like, look, I give one thing to Koichi Sakamoto. He gets it. And it's just Takahuroya feels like, like he can do it. He can get us back to that, which, good, I need that. I'm glad that both Asuna and Oto were ready to, like, throw down when the director said he was lying about Mia being able to direct the next episode or movie. I'm yeah, very I confused was... because this they kept saying movie, but it was it seemed like they were filming like a TV sh- series. Yeah, I was a little off about that, but I figured maybe it's maybe it's like hey, she can direct a short feature or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but it's I'm just glad that like all of the girls who overheard that were like, I'm gonna go snap a dude in half. And like, I know Melt meant well trying to protect Mia's feelings by, you know, wanting to hide it and telling Oto that, you know, like, hey, you can't just beat people up. That's not the answer to when you're angry. Because that's fair. It's technically true. But I do think they should have told Mia. Like, okay, don't get arrested for assault. Fine. Fair enough. But you gotta let your friends know when people are lying to them and using them and trying to get stuff from them and not pa- pa- and not planning to pay their end. Like, Mia deserved to know what was up. Yeah, she does. Because I got the impression later on that she knew. But still, like, even if she knows that they're gonna renege on their deal, like, for all I understand wanting to protect people's feelings, you gotta let them know. And also, like, interrupt the director while he's talking all that crap to call him, manip- to call him a manipulative toolbox to his face, though dumping popcorn is a good start. I just felt like, dump the popcorn, put the, the bucket of popcorn on his head, and then, I don't know, like, insult his, his pants? I just insult him somewhere. And maybe, like, key his car or something, because, like, he was laughing about how he lied to someone. That sucks. Or just, I don't know, get, or like, let me, let me know, and then everyone just get together and laugh about how you'll still be young and cool when he's dead because human lifespans are the blink of an eye to a member of the Russell tribes. Oh, oh, he, he wants to lie to me? Oh, well, he'll be dead soon. Because, like, look, I'm, like, not for nothing, there's a lot of people It's like, Hey, I'm probably going to outlive that guy. Boy, that makes my life a little better. <laughs> I feel I've bad. Had, like, look, schadenfreude 
is an ugly emotion, but as I am very quick to say, I am not a pretty man. <laughs> like, look, I have only been truly petty, truly, truly petty once that I can think of. But man, it was nice. <laughs> it was a nice feeling. Oh, you know what's... I, uh, but I think we're going to have to start getting out of nice feelings, though, because... I see where the next bit in our notes is taking us. Yeah, now it's time for a sad feeling. Oh, I don't like those. I just, I felt so bad for Karayom when she was crying on the stairs. Like, all the kid wants is to be respected for the hard work she's putting in, and she ain't getting it. And paralleling that to Mia, and, you know, Mia's not getting the position she was promised, Karayom's not getting the position she was promised... Like, both of them, paralleling both of them not getting their due and having to come to terms with that was some really nice writing and cinematography. That was done very, very well. It really was. And, like, look, it only serves to further highlight that Crayon is the avatar of the proletariat with a burgeoning class consciousness. She puts in long hours, puts in overtime, literally puts what she has instead of blood into every single job. And all she asks is just the smallest amount of respect, and even that is denied her. Honestly, like, given that Mia sticks around topside instead of heading back under the waves, I will add an asterisk to my hope that Koreon gets to take over Earth after the Doridon get got. Uh, and the asterisk is just that Koreon can hire Mia to direct her next video. Honestly, like... Crayon has a low-key, fantastic stable of talent just on hand. They could make their own little spectacular media empire just together. Get get the Mushroom Head guy, get Mia in. They grab could Uwe. do some work. What's that? Grab Ui. Yeah, grab Ui. Look, they never got around to having Ui and Crayon have a, a rivalry, so just get her. She's good. How good is she? They invite her out to America. Yeah, just... just but I was I was actually pretty upset when, like, Tuden started just attacking Karayon. Like, straight oh. up trying to kill her for the sword. Like, does he not know that she's, like, on the same side as him? Because he, he seems too practical to, like, want the glory of being the one to turn the sword in. That doesn't seem to be how Uden... And thus, this other Uden work? Like, if it was Weisel or even Tank Joe, or maybe even Gachi Reyes, I'd believe that, but Uden? He's, he's kind of very straightforward. It feels more like, as long as he, you know, he'd bring Koreon back and Koreon would have the sword, and that's enough because the, you know, we still got to the same end. The job's done. Yeah, so it just, it, I'm like, do you not know that you're on the same side? Because, like, I guess technically he never met her. He didn't see her. She wasn't there when he first showed up, but... Oh, Dip, maybe Tudan is part of, like, uh, Precious's, oh yeah, and I don't want the Mushroom Girl anymore. Yeah, I don't, I... I don't know. It just, it, it felt very strange. Something felt not right. Yeah. Though, I just... When when Tudan was just like, yeah, no, I'm going to take the thing and, and take it back to Precious, I just kind of wanted Crayon to do a bitter laugh and then just like, hey, Tudan, 
working stiffs like us don't get anywhere being loyal to people who who aren't loyal to us. So, uh, how about how about you and me? We just start our own evil organization, huh? We've got the magic sword. We got the talent. Like, I mean, look, what are the Drianon gonna do if they can't make bespoke Minosaurs on the reg, you know? Just, like, it did feel weird for Tuden, but I just, I really was hoping we'd have a bit where where Koreon would just, like, hey, do you wanna, I don't know, start a union? <laughs> I don't know, we could, like, you and me will unite, we'll be, we'll be together as a, as a, a union that is defined around our labor. Some kind of labor union. <laughs> I got all the I got all the druid drones. It'd be great. <sighs> oh, it's it, look. It's tough learning how to have solidarity. But uh, we are finally having Koreon kind of struggle with the idea of a face turn. Yeah. Cause you know she she clearly enjoys messing with people, but she is kind of realizing that she's aligned with some jerks. Mm-hmm. And maybe the other people would be nicer to her, which she seems to care about more than kind of, you know, global domination. And as much as I love the idea of Final Koreon, uh, which, you know, I've made exceedingly clear. Oh yeah, no, same. I also kind of like the idea of having her redeemed and just having her be this kind of weird, gross menace gremlin child hogging machines in arcades and like eating too many bags of doritos and just kind of being a harmless annoyance like she's not bad she just wants attention and to have a good time yeah attention respect and like to maybe occasionally bedevil this one person on youtube she has decided that she doesn't like this week like not even on the reg but just occasionally punk on him because you know why not and again if she moves in with her little filmmaker collective she could okay sono hear me out just it's crayon and the crew from the the hands-off film club uh slash uh isaacen yes like am i saying that would be perfect yes yes it would be yeah they could they could make their anime and they could we could have we could have our our concept designer, our character animator, our producer, and Koreon. It'd be it'd be wonderful. We could have I I don't even know. I'm not I'm gonna write this fan fiction later. <laughs> not right now. It's also kind of interesting that we got just no robot fight at all in this episode. Oh really? It, there wasn't yeah. one in the beginning to get it out of the way. There was nothing kinda shoved in quick at the end. There wasn't was there even a Minosaur this episode? I don't think so, no. No, it was just them trying to get the sword. Like, for an episode, I guess, you know, that's why we didn't have a robot fight. There was nothing to make big, but for an episode that didn't have a huge, like, dramatic, overarching story impact on the show, those absences are a little surprising. They're welcome, because I hope it sets a precedent in the new era that sometimes we can just not do that if the story is strong enough to support it on its own, because this episode was great. Yeah, it was. And, like, look, I'm gonna say this as a guy who's quite fond of a good old-fashioned giant robot smash-up, but if you got the story on the ground level, just 
have it be on the ground level. It's okay to not have the toy commercial every time. Especially since, like, look, if you get to love the characters, then when the robots show up, you'll it'll be even more special because those are their robots. And not to mention, like, do you think any of the kids are not going to know about the robots at this point? Yeah, like, they're not going to forget if they're not there for one episode. Yeah. They're and still in the opening. Yeah. And just, it lets you have more space to have an episode with all those emotions and people being like heartbreakingly wonderful even though they're bad or not bad they're just you know kind of there and once broke up with a guy and it was just a good episode y'all i do kind of hope that we've set up to have mia come back at the end to you know be Connolo's wife um just because i really like their dynamic and i think that she could kind of do a lot to rein him in and they, they just have kind of this nice bouncing off each other. Um, but I do also love that we gotta remind people just one more time before we go into the super serious endgame, uh, who on the team is really the one that's getting down with stuff when she's like, no, everyone's coming in like, oh, oh, are you two getting back together? She's like, no, but you could give me Bomba's number. I mean, I'd be okay what? with that. If there was ever a laser knee sentiment, my goodness. Because, <laughs> like, I've, I've tried not to, you know, really hammer on about it, but, um, that young man is quite attractive. Um, and that takes us into 42. Um, I appreciate that Asuna, in the truest fighter barbarian fashion, has absolutely no interest in reading. Until she's told the book is about food. Look, girl knows what she's about. She's 200-something years old, and she's had time enough to develop other interests. Good on you, girl. Know thyself. I really love the number Weisel sings for his opening act. Uh, yeah, you do. It was awesome. Yeah, aside from it just being, like, a really fun visual sequence and enjoying, you know, getting to see Melt and Toa get to be part of this goofy dance number because they don't get a whole lot of that level of goofy stuff. Like, it was also just a really catchy, well-performed song. Yeah. And I was just honestly a little disappointed that the whole thing wasn't a musical, because, look, if anyone deserves to go out with a song, it's Weisel. Though, I suppose they probably couldn't afford the rights to uh, always look on the bright side of life from Monty Python's Life of Brian, because even if you cut around the swear, I just... I just kept thinking I'd love to see Weisel do a big old Rockettes high kick and dance number just before, you know, he has his fight. I am a little surprised they didn't somehow get a Drury Drum kick line in there. Right? It just, it seems like the thing. I imagine it's probably just, we can't afford that many extras who can do the high kicks. And also, it's really hard to time the, the kicks with helmets that have such limited visual range. Yeah. Still, it would have been great. <laughs> Though, this led into one of my favorite bits, which is when when everyone tries to rush the stage and they can't, and sure, they say that, look, only performers go on stage, which is great, but it also meant that what was protecting Weisel was the fourth wall. And I lost my dang mind, y'all. <laughs> Because that's just, that's some playful metafiction, and 
yeah, I'm one of those pretentious guys who just goes hard for metafiction. Like, I love it so much. It is, it is the thing we love here. Yeah. Just, it's so up its own everything, and yet. Uh, the Romeo and Juliet bit with Conalo and Asuna was actually, like, very cute and clever and a really fun plan on Weisel's part to, like, kill off a couple Ryu soldiers. Like, that's a oh, decent yeah. plan. Yeah. And, like, having the narrative power to kill them like that, just, it's in the script that you die. So you die. And that's just such a a thing that is both sinister and existentially terrifying, but also corny as a field in Iowa. Which, <laughs> like, look, that's how I want to remember Weisel. Yeah. Because, like, you have the legit threat, but also it's got a clown mask on, but not a scary clown mask. Like, no, just it's just a clown. It's not a scary clown. It's just there's a clown there while, I don't know, something terrible happens to you and your soul explodes. It's it's really good. And it's just, it was also really cute having Ui's dad give the team, like, the spicy knockout juice and replacing that with the poison at the end of the play. Like, it was paced in such a way that I would forget about it long enough for the tension to rise, and then remember just before I got really worried. So, like, I knew the whole time that they weren't really in any danger, because I'd keep remembering that they had it, but I'd forget about it just long enough to really enjoy the moment. Like, it was just incredibly well-paced. Yeah, it really was. Especially since, like, on top of the really good pacing... You're also not able to think about that stuff as much, because, hey, there's Asuna and Kanalo getting to ham it up a bit. Because, like, look, Kanalo doing some screamy stuff, it's fine. We've all seen it, but Asuna usually doesn't get those big drama beats. And it was just, it was nice to see. Also, the whole time, like, there's this bit from Nier Automata. Yes, I found a way to shoehorn one of my favorite video games into this show, too. That is just an extended comic riff on Romeo and Juliet. And I'm going to link that in the as mentioned. And look, it's it's like multiple years old at this point. I feel like the statute of limitations run out. But y'all can just look at it and watch it because it same vibe is what I'm saying. Good good comedy bits with Romeo and Juliet are hard to do because you know the dying, the the children dying that you watch happen. Like mm, that's is hard to joke about. I like when people manage it. I also kind of love that after the musical number, Weisel just dumped Melton Toa outside. Yep. Like, the fact that he did that instead of killing them, or at least, like, tying them up somewhere, coupled with kind of how fake Kureon's reaction to ripping out the word poison from the script felt, I wonder a little bit if Weisel wasn't kind of planning all along to not make it out of this one alive. I mean... Not for nothing, I I was kind of thinking the same. It, and I respect it, because Dude wanted one last show to take the ultimate chance for the ultimate prize, knowing he was probably going to buy it. But then, uh, as Old Blue Eyes and later Sid Vicious once sang, he did it his way. And that's beautiful. Yeah, it, like, it felt a little weird to me when Weisel called out Ko specifically, 
when the two of them have never really had any specific history or grudge. Like, it's not like it was with Tenkjo, where the mm. dude, like, killed his dad. In a, it just, again, one of those ways that makes you just go like, uh, what? Weisel and him don't, like, there have been a couple times where I guess Weisel's like, oh, he stole the show from me. But it didn't seem like anything that he held a grudge about, because he was always saying, on to the next show. Him and Asuna seemed like they had a lot more reason to throw down. Yeah, but Weisel also knows that Ko has Caliber and Max, which defeated Precious. So they're, like, the two strongest things the Ryu soldiers have got, and he knows that Ko's got both of them. And he knew, like, they've killed everything we've ever thrown at them. We're not winning this. He wanted to go out on his own terms. Which, you know, that's that's fitting. Not to mention, I mean, look, Death by Sentai is not a lot better than Death by Rider. <laughs> so he, he picked, his, he picked his, his way to go out. He had his awesome dramatic fight. And also, it was quick. Just get the guy who hits the hardest. Which let him go out like a champ, you know? And that's We should all be so lucky. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of, this is the part where I give Shidayumi a whole heck of a lot of credit. Because the only other work they have to their name is three other episodes of this show. And the Hero Mama League special. What? That's it? Like, that's it. Four things? Those, those, that's it. There's nothing else. And the impact that Weisel's death had, I honestly thought this was an Arakawa episode. Yeah, that's, that's real, dude. (laughs) This felt like the work of a writer who has had years of tokusatsu under their belt, who has led shows and seen characters from start to finish, and has, you know, done the rise and fall of so many different types of villains where they knew how to end Weisel right. And this dude's only done three other episodes and the lowest budget special that Toei has ever done. Which was, it was well written. There was nothing wrong with the writing, but it was, that was a very labor of love project. And if the, if Weisel's demise is the kind of quality that Shida Ayumi can bring... They've got a very promising career ahead of them, and I hope they're given more episodes on the next Sentai. Give them 10 to 12 next time. Yeah, agreed. Because, again, like, that was... I mean, you, you say Arakawa, and I'm I'm only going to mention this in case some of our listeners don't know. Like, Arakawa's been kind of big in these circles for uh, three decades at least. Maybe not three whole decades. I don't know when his first work was, but was he was already he'd already done some big stuff back before getting to do Common Rider Kuga in two thousand. Dude's been at it a minute, and I, I mean it's we've seen Arakawa do stuff in one episode again back in Lupot. There was the one episode with Keiichiro, and I didn't care about him. And then Arakawa comes in. Bam! After that episode, he's my favorite dude in the show. And this is that level. And this is the fourth thing they've done. Just, I, yeah, I know I'm just, I'm just, like, gilding the lily at this point, but yeah! 
Yeah, I mean, like, look, this is... Ryu Soldier was... is the Sentai that saved Sentai, and someone like Shida Ayumi, if this is what they can bring to the table, that's someone you want on the team. Yeah, no lie. I... I, I honestly, if... if they can be that kind of consistent, I wouldn't be surprised to see them running a show in, like, within five years. Probably Yeah, and less. I mean... They've written good episodes of this show, too. Mm-hmm. They... Ain't a one of them a bad one, just... This one really sings. <laughs> but, like, and props... includes... Speaking of, like, it sings, like, it included a song, and you made that work. That's tough to do. Yeah. But props to Shida Ayumi aside, like, I just kind of want to talk about how good that final showdown with Weisel was. Uh, yeah. Because I honestly expected this to be the one thing Ryu Soldier would let me down on. I just, I personally couldn't think of a satisfying way for Weisel to go. Like, even the biggest, no matter how big they made a standard battle, it didn't seem like it would be enough for the presence that is Weisel. It's very true. But they caught me off guard making it a stage show. <laughs> Having him force everyone on stage with him and puppet them around as much as he wants and then throw himself into his own, in his own words, a theatrical duel to fight to his last in front of an audience. And then having him see himself defeating his foe and being given a standing ovation for his performance as his, like, dying hallucination. And then, you know, he, he has that really dramatic send-off with Koreon. Oh. That was all absolute genius. It's the only way to send Weisel off. And you don't, you don't get there by being bigger. You don't get there by being louder. You get there by being true to the character. And on that note, good night, sweet prince. And flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. Though I, I, you know, he's a bad guy, so he's probably going to hell. But still, good night, sweet prince. He, he just, yeah. This is the way that Weisel would want to go. He yeah. got to go the way he wanted. But man, what, what killed me was that moment of Koreon throwing herself into the fight to get between Ko and Weisel and acknowledging that, like, even if their relationship wasn't perfect, and, you know, Weisel did bug her sometimes, he was the one who treated her the best and had the most fun with her and, like, let her do cool stuff and was always supportive and made her feel like she had a home. And I just remember that bit where, you know, Tankyo came back from the dead and then had to go back to being dead, and he just was like, he just put a hand on her shoulder and was like, hey, it's okay. Like, I'm a sucker already for if you want to kill him, you have to go through me. But then to apply that to villains, and to a villain who's already struggling with a potential face turn, mm -hmm. like, that's right in the heart. And then having the rain and Ko just undo the suit and be like, nah, I'm... I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna push this any further. I'm just gonna go and let them have their moment together. That was gorgeous. Yeah, it really was. Because, like, honestly, I feel like that's gonna be one of the things that, that ends up highlighting to Crayon. Yeah, what's the difference between 
three soldiers in the Druidon. Because, look, Ko absolutely killed her friend. In fairness, he is a general in a Sentai series. He knew the stakes. He was planning for this. But, like, Ko's not vicious about it. He's not having fun. He's not here to, like, lol, I killed your friend. He just, he just, this dude wanted to get got. And he got got. And there's no need to be cruel about it. Although, I just, one last thing, though. Was awesome that Weisel got to, like, disappear into the light instead of blowing up. But a part of me kind of hopes that this ends up being one more big illusion. So he and Crayon can roll together after the show's over. Because, like, look, he'd be a great addition to that artist collective. Provided, you know, he doesn't call other people's work trash. Because, um, kind of frowned on. It's not it's not cool. But if if he ends up just popping back up at the end of, of the last episode, just going like, and that's the prestige. Like, that'd be amazing. Because, look, he can be the greatest showman. He just do it without murdering people. Like, it, here's the thing. A lot easier to keep an audience if they're alive. It's true. And, just, like, look, his audience was all humans. Hmm? He did not put any Druidrones in that audience. He no, wanted they plants. human people. And just, look, e- even if even if I'm wrong and he just, he got to, like, force evaporate like he's in Star Wars, I mean, that's fine, too, because he gets to go out beautiful because, yeah, you don't have to blow up if you have, if you die satisfied. And it seems like he did. And uh, that's, look, we should all be so lucky. Yeah. It's, it's like when uh, David Bowie released his last album, Black Star, and, like, two days after it released, he's just like, oh, yeah, um, I'm dead now from cancer. And the first, but here's the thing, the first single they put out, do you know what the first single was called, Sono? It was called Lazarus. And I'm like, you, he recorded this whole album knowing he was dying, and his first single was called Lazarus, just after he went. I'm like, that. That is what Weisel felt like he was going for. Yeah. Which, like, hit me hard, because, um, okay, funny thing about me, I'm gonna be uncomfortably real for a second, I've still never listened to that album, because on every time I go to, there's just some part of me that's just, like, then there won't be any more new David Bowie. And he's still alive, as long as I haven't listened to it, which is the dumbest thing. But sometimes you find people who matter to you. Like I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna bring it back around in a really roundabout, chunky, stupid, ugly way. But sometimes you find people who matter to you, like wise will matter to Crayon. It's look. I I've never watched the Kiva movie for that exact reason. It's Kiva came to me at a very, very, very bad time in my life. It was a very large part of why that time in my life stopped being bad. Mentioned this a couple times on the show, I think. Um, it, Kiva's what got me on this show. Kiva's how I got here. Uh, Kiva, watching Kiva and taking Kiva in, and it, it, it did a lot for me in a very, very bad time. And I've always been afraid to... I've, I've watched uh, Climax Decca. I've 
you know, I've watched Decade. I've never watched the Kiva movie because I'm like, what if I get back to that point and I need Kiva again? Yeah. No, I get it, dude. I mean, clearly, because I just... You know, sometimes, sometimes art comes to you at a time in your life or a place in your life or it fills something... It fills a role in your heart that nothing else does and it sucks when it's over and you don't want to let it be over even though like yeah of course it is like david bowie's not coming back from the dead (laughs) like that's that's not going to happen much as like look i wouldn't put it past him but but if anyone was gonna find a way yeah except i'm pretty sure like it's just him and prince just like rolling together but it's just you know, sometimes those things, they, they just, they're a part of you. And you don't, it's not even about letting it go, because, I don't know, it's a complicated emotion. And uh, how dare Super Sentai make me feel these feelings? Because that's kind of, like, I couldn't help but, like, that's a thing that hit me, and I didn't even mean to talk about it, but here I am. But I was watching it, and just like, Oh, yeah. Like, your dude went out on his own terms, and then he just he just evaporated, which I know that's not what actually happened, because, sadly, cancer doesn't do that. <laughs> but, I like, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just, um... Emotions. They suck. They're terrible. That's why they're illegal. It's true. But it's just, like, that's how... That's how you want the people who are cool in your life to go out, like, if they have to. Just, I would, I would like, I'm glad David Bowie got to, got to do Black Star. And like, hey, here's, here's my, my kind of heartbreaking last record. And, and the first, you know, again, the, the single is Lazarus, which just, that's one of those, that's like one of those bits, like the first time you find out, like, Oh yeah, Freddie Mercury did the show Must Go On while he was dying from AIDS back before we even had medication for it. Or at least any really good stuff. And right before it's that he like he reads the he reads the, the lyrics and he's like, Let's do this, darlings, knocks back some vodka and just goes and does it in one take and that's all he had in him. But he did it and Every, like, I loved that song before, but with that context, like, every time I've heard it since, I've wanted to weep. And I would, I would, I want him to go out and just, like, blue sparkles. Like, I just, he deserves it. He's Freddie Mercury or David Bowie. And I'm, I'm just going to shut up now because I'm getting really maudlin. And no one needs that in their Super Sentai. Unless, of course, you are a regular listener to this show. Because we just... Every now and again, you never know when we're just going to get uncomfortably real. It is sometimes the thing that we do, and it's... No, you know exactly when we're going to get uncomfortably real. It's when we get really attached to a character, and then they yeah. die. Yeah, yeah. I just... I'm so, uh, just buckle honest. up. We've only got a couple episodes of this show left. So, yeah. uh... I'm just... I, I just have to say, I'm honestly surprised they got me there with Weisel. I didn't yeah, we, realize how much we I loved him. We were not into him when he first showed up, but 
I feel like it kind of took them a couple episodes. I think, feel like it took them until Gachi Reyes got here to really yep. figure out like what they wanted to do with Weisel. Yep, because Gachi Reyes is, oh right, this is what most of the Sentai generals are. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Let's be this other guy. He just wants to party. You know what? And also, you know what Korean wants? To party! And, you know, they'll figure it out. They're friends. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but one one last kind of goofy bit is I really love Melt calling Conalo out on his, like, quote-unquote Bible. Romance Bible, which is stupid in general. Um, uh. Being a tragedy where two teenagers know each other for, like, three days, get over dramatic about it, and then kill themselves. Like... It's a little bit of a fair point to, for Mel to bring up. Yeah, like, I know we all know it's the most famous love story, but, like, there are much healthier ones out there. Even just in Shakespeare, like, like okay, Twelfth Night is more of a comedy about, like, mistaken identity, but that's, that's a much better love story, because, like, no one's dead. <laughs> Though I guess we're lucky it's not Taming of the Shrew, because, yikes. Mmm, true. Because, boy, I like the first time I saw that performed, I was like, "Oh wow!" Back in the Elizabethan era, people were mad sexist. Holy crap! This is evil. Because, <laughs> like, I know they made it uh, that movie Ten Things I Hate About You," which you know, that's a fun movie, but also like mm, messed up. A little bit. Anyway. Also, I see we have a prediction here. It's been a while. Um, it's not much of a prediction. It's just I'm, I'm just glad that as we head into the end game, that Ryu Soldier keeps pandering directly and specifically to me, and gives me exactly what I want when I want it. Uh, because we have monster moms and bomba angst on the horizon, and that is my entire wheelhouse. Yeah, no, that is that is things you are very much about. Um, and it, it definitely looks like we are heading towards a buckwild finish, and I'm real excited for it. Um, but with that, I think that's uh, that's all we've really got this time around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, That's thanks. our jam. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Uh, so for us at Laser Knees and the rest of the Toll Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sona. And always look on the bright side of life. <laughs>